Test, test, test. 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 Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Let's all stand. Amen. Amen. We're going to go into the Lord, to the Lord in a word of prayer and ask him to bless this Bible study. Um, amen. For God to speak to us. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God's going to speak to us. Amen. Let's pray right now. Jesus, Lord, we give you the honor, the glory. We ask you, Lord, to use them here today. Give us wisdom and understanding that your name may be uplifted, that you may be praised. We thank you. We love you. 
In Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Let's give God a round of applause. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Today, uh, we have um, invited, uh, uh, we're going to have Brother Cervante come up and teach on Halloween, exposing Halloween and all of its uh, defects. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Let's give the Lord a round of applause one more time. Amen. God bless you. Um, those of you that have Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 14. Chapter 10 and verse 14, 1 Corinthians. Um, we're going to be talking today about Halloween. How many people know what Halloween is? Of course you do. You've been uh, hearing about it every year, every year for your whole life. Amen. And today we're going to talk about it and we're going to expose some of the things that's contained within Halloween. Um, first and foremost, even just the, the name Halloween um, has a sacrilegious connotation in it. Um, how many people are aware of the rainbow flag? How many people have seen a rainbow flag before? When you see a rainbow flag, what's the first thing you think of? Gay pride? There it is, right there. Um, okay, now we got somebody that's thinking, right? So usually when you see the rainbow, the rainbow is um, out there now, and it's very prevalent, and, and it's very widely accepted with, uh, you know, among society, as this is the symbol for gay pride, um, the LGBTQ community has adopted the rainbow as its, its symbol. And the problem with that is, is that before it was their symbol, it was God's symbol. The rainbow was originally God's symbol. It was a symbol of God's promise to Noah to never destroy the earth again by water. And this symbol that was originally instituted by God has been taken and misused and used within a negative context um, outside of its proper use. Amen. So it is with Halloween. The very name hallowed or Halloween means hallowed means revered, respected, loved, holy. Um, that's why in the Lord's prayer, we say our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There is only one that is hallowed and that is God. So to take this word, hallowed, and to take it and put it into something completely different other than its intended use, it, it goes ahead and detracts from what the original power and use and meaning of the word was. Now they've devalued the word hallowed. So when we say Halloween, you don't think anything of it. When you hear hallowed, you think of Halloween instead of thinking of God. So it is when you see that rainbow flag, you think of gay pride. You no longer think of God's promise. So it's something that the, that the devil has taken and has distorted and used for his own use to go ahead and detract and distort from the power of God and the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel. Does everybody understand me? So just the name alone, Halloween, is already negative. Hallow means, means, means holy, means revered, respected. And Satan has taken that and detracted from the value of that word. Everybody got me? So right now we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and we're in verse 14. Everybody got it? Let's say it. Let's read like this. It says, what say I then? Oh, no, no. Give me verse 14. There it is. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. So what he's saying is, listen. I want you to get away from idolatry. Don't fight against idolatry. He's not saying take a stand and fight against idolatry. He's saying when you see idolatry, run from it. Turn to someone next to you tell them, run. Lee, try to fight against idolatry. No, take a stand against it. Just run as fast as you can. All right? 
Now Paul is saying, I speak to wise men, judge ye what I say. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to present some information to you. I want you to take this information. I want you to process it. And I want you to judge for yourself. Everybody with me? Next verse. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break? Keep going. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So what he's asking is, when we have communion, everybody knows what communion is, right? We partake of the cup, which has the wine, which has the, 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 the juice in it, and we partake of the bread. And in that doing so, in the doing this act, for us it has a spiritual connotation. We accept this and receive this as communion with Christ when we're doing it. For us, it has a symbolic value. It means something. Everybody with me? Everybody know what I'm talking about? So when you, don't, when you do this, you're not just thinking, oh, I'm just having some juice and I'm just having some bread and some crackers. No. In our heart, in our mind, when we're doing this, it has a spiritual significance. Everybody follow me? Okay. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? He's asking you, does this not have meaning? The answer is, keep going. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Keep going. Behold Israel after the flesh. Are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? In other words, in other words, everybody... That was, that was a part of the religious order of the Levitical priesthood of Israel, when they partook of what was there presented at the altar, what they were taking and what they were presented, they knew was brought to the altar from the rest of the, of the other 11 tribes and presented to them as their inheritance. They were partakers of the altar. Everybody got it? They knew that they were partaking of the altar, and they knew where this meat came from. So they knew it. They knew where it came from. They knew the meaning of it. Everybody with me so far? Keep up with me. Keep going. What say I then? That the idol is anything? Or that which is offered to sac and sacrifice to idols is anything? In other words, he's saying, okay, am I saying that there's something wrong with the meat? He's saying, no, there's nothing wrong with the meat. Is there something wrong with the offering that they placed there? Is there something wrong with the bread? No, there's nothing wrong with the bread. Bread is not evil. Meat is not evil inherently. Everybody with me? Okay. Keep going. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. So let me, let me break this down for you. He's saying there's nothing wrong with the meat. That's placed there. Is there something wrong with the meat? No, it's just regular meat. The problem is, is the reason that it was placed there. The reason why it was put there and what's behind it is the problem. So let me put this into context for you. Is there something wrong with candy? There's something wrong with candy? <laughs> let me talk to this side. Is there something wrong with having a Snickers bar with your lunch? No. Something wrong with having a bag of Skittles? Is there anything wrong with a costume? All by itself. There's nothing wrong with a costume. He says the problem is, is the reason now that you're doing it. The reason behind it, the motivation. What is it that the reason for the candy? What is the reason for this? He's saying, I'm telling you right now that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. There's not a problem with the candy. There's not a problem with the costume, not a problem with the pumpkin. The problem is, is the reason that you're doing it. Everybody with me so far? Okay. He says, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. This thing don't have nothing to do with Jesus. Don't let nobody lie to you. Oh, it's hallowed. No, it ain't hallowed. Amen, somebody? And I would not that you should have fellowship, next verse, with devils. Okay? What this implies is that when you partake of these actions, you're partaking 
in the same thing with the people. You co-sign on their actions. You're saying, I'm a partaker of the same actions. I co-sign it. I'm in agreement with it. I'm, I'm going right along with it. Why? Because it's the same way that we say, you know what? When I take up the cup of the, and the bread, I'm, I'm having communion with the Lord. If we can say that we see that spiritual connotation in that, and we receive the spiritual connotation context within drinking of the of the wine and drinking and, and taking of the bread during communion. How can we separate these two now? Everybody follow me? You can't separate. I'm going to tell you how you can't separate. You can't separate the candy, the pumpkin, the tricky tree. Right? I'm just going out to have fun and I don't have nothing to do. It doesn't mean I'm a devil worshiper. Mm-mm. Do you take communion? Yes. Do you believe in the spiritual power of the communion that you take it? Yes. Then you should believe in the spiritual power of the trick or treat that you partaken in. This is the scripture. Amen. Next verse. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. In other words, you got to make a choice here. Turn to someone next to you and tell them you got to make a choice. You cannot actively serve God and participate in the devil's antics at the same time. Call yourself a Christian. And not me speaking. That's what the scripture is saying. Amen. When it's talking about drinking of the cup, when they took communion, when they took communion and Jesus on during the Passover had communion with the disciples there at the Last Supper on the night of the Passover, they had one cup. They didn't have little tiny shot glasses. Everybody passed around, took a little shot glass. They didn't have that. They had one cup. Everybody follow me? Jesus poured into the cup. He said, take drink. This is my blood covenant for you. Everybody got me? They passed around the one cup. Now, they did not have a problem with this. They didn't say, oh, I don't know. I think Peter's got cooties. I don't know if he's got a bum bump on his lip. I don't know what's going on. You got something on your lip there. I'm not going to be sharing the cup with you. When they shared the cup, the cup was an act of something very intimate. Turn to somebody and tell them it's intimate. I don't know about you, but I'm not too prone to just drinking after somebody's 7-Eleven Big Gulp after them, after I don't, you know, unless I know this person. When you drink a cup with somebody, it implies an act of intimacy because you know this person well enough that you don't mind sharing a cup with them. Everybody with me? It implies a certain level of intimacy. I know this person. I know this person so well that I'm comfortable to drink after them. Everybody with me? You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. The table is also something very intimate. I've used this illustration before. If you go into a restaurant... And the restaurant is full of tables, right? And you're waiting on a table, and you come in, and there's a person sitting at a table for six, but he's there at that table, and there's five chairs open. Are you just going to walk up and help yourself and sit down at this person's table? Why not? Five other chairs. What's stopping you? Because you're, in your mind, that's this person's table. If I sit down, it, it, it implies a certain level of intimacy, knowledge. Do you know this person? I don't know you to just be sitting at a table with you like that. Brothers, are you able to just sit down at a chair with any sister at a table? Sister be like, what are you, why are you sitting at the table with her? If you're just standing there, it's all right. But once you sit down at a table, oh, Lord, it's different. Everybody follow me? It implies a certain level of intimacy. The cup and the table implies direct fellowship. What Paul is saying is that you have to make a choice because when you decide to partake in these things, it's not that there's a problem with the things. It's a problem with the reason that the things are there. Everybody got me? So when you decide to partake of these things, you can't separate and say, you know what? I love the Lord. I want to serve God and, and love Jesus and everything, but I'm going to try to separate it. And then I'm just going to go out and I'm going to take my kids and we're going to get some free candy and tricky treat. I still love Jesus, but we're just going to get this candy real quick. <laughs> Amen? You, you can't separate the two. I, I've heard the argument before. Well, I'm, that's not my mindset. No, 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 no. You can't say that. Because the same way that you receive 
the cup and the bread as the communion of the body of Christ during communion, you don't separate the spiritual potency that that has. Neither can you separate the sacrifice of the trick-or-treat candy and the costume wearing and the pumpkin and so on and so forth. It's called idolatry. Turn to someone next to you tell them idolatry. This is the reason why it's called Satan's communion. Because what Satan has done is he has seduced people. Satan ain't going to come up and tell you, hey, come on and have communion with me instead of Jesus. I think that would be a better idea. If Satan's going to cause you to have fellowship or communion with him, he's going to do it by deception. He's going to make it look real nice. He's going to entice you with some candy. Uh, I know how to get you. I'll just give you some Skittles and some Snickers. And you can come on, and you're not going to know it, but you're going to have communion to me instead of Jesus this year. That's why it's called Satan's communion. Turn to someone next to you and tell them it's Satan's communion. What Satan's communion is, is you unknowingly having fellowship with Satan, otherwise known as idolatry. Turn to someone and tell you, idolatry. Idolatry. It's idol worship. You are unknowingly, unknowingly engaging in idol worship. And we think that it's all good, and we go and we participate in these things, and we think it's all good. We're happy-go-lucky. We, we suit up our children in these things. We go out in the middle of the night, in the middle of the street in Los Angeles. People get ran over. I don't know why we do this, but we do this all for a candy. Praise the Lord, somebody. You want some candy? I'll buy you some candy. We don't have to go to people's houses to look for the candy. <laughs> Amen? Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 1. Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 1. Satan's communion. We've been doing Satan's communion. Uh, we first started doing this in 2013. That was the first year that we started doing it. Um, after my wife and I, we had got married with James. And we came to the understanding that we had to know why we're telling James why we're not going trick-or-treating. So those of you that are parents, it's very important for you to understand why it is that we do not engage in Halloween activities. And it's not enough to just say, oh, that's just a devil's holiday. We don't do it. You, you can't do that. Amen, somebody? You, you have to educate yourself and have enough knowledge to be able to turn around and teach your children, this is the reason why we don't do this. We don't do this because of this and this and this. And even though because all they see is that everyone else is having fun. Amen? And then they're going to look at you and they're going to say, you're taking away all the fun. Amen. So it's up to us to be educated, to get an understanding. So we first engaged in this, uh, this study to dig all this stuff out and get understanding back in 2013. We've been giving this Bible study to the church for some time now. And we really, really, really have, have gotten a major understanding from this. Amen, somebody. Amen. So now we're in Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 1, and it reads like this. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, um, these, the, son of man, these have men have set up their idols in their heart and have put a stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? In other words, these people have idols. The, the, the Lord is asking the prophet, all of these people have idols set up in front of them. Should I even listen to them? That's what he's asking. Should I even pay attention to them? Because they got their idols. Let them go to their idols. That's what the Lord is saying. Amen? Verse 4, therefore speak unto them and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart. Not out. When, it, when we think of idolatry, we think of monitos. Amen? We think of the little monos, you go into the Chinese restaurant, the Chinese buffet, they got the Buddha right there, you put the pennies on the Buddha, you know what I mean? You think of monos like that, like, oh, look at the idols. That's not idolatry. Idolatry is when you set up something that you put before God in your heart. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord God, uh, verse 4, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart, okay, and puts the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that comes according to the multitude of his idols. If you want to have a gang of idols, go see your idols. Don't come to me. 
Amen? I know it sounds harsh, but that's pretty much what it's saying in so many words. I'm going to answer, well, how many idols do you have? Go ask your idols. Because remember, the Lord God is a jealous God. <laughs> Hold on, brothers. Oh, why don't you go ask your girlfriend? <laughs> Never mind. Forget that one. <laughs> First five, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Estranged. That word estranged, um, it, it denotes a, like, a, like a, a husband and a wife being estranged. It means that they're no longer together. They are estranged. In other words, when we take on idols and we put things before God, we become estranged or separated from God. Praise the Lord, somebody. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, repent and turn yourselves from your idols. Turn away from your faces, from all your abominations. Every one of the house of Israel, the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separates himself from me and sets up idols in his heart and puts a stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and comes to the prophet to inquire of him concerning me i the lord will answer by myself i will set my face against that man i will make him a sign and a proverb that i will cut him off from the midst of the people and you shall know that i am the lord we that engage in idolatry and pursuing certain things that have to do with halloween partaking of the devil what the devil has to do is idolatry. The Lord says he will cut you off. I will cut him off from the midst of my people and you shall know that I am the Lord. Amen, somebody. Just a couple points that I want to make and then we'll move forward. New Webster's New World Dictionary. Webster's New World Bible Dictionary under the heading of idolatry says like this. Idolatry is of two kinds. The worship of images, statutes, pictures, Objects made by hands that, and the worship of the heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, and stars, or of demons. Somebody say demons. Angels, men, and animals. Deuteronomy 17.3 says, And had gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun or moon or any other of the host of heaven which I have not commanded. Um, the reason why Halloween occurs when it happens is because it's the astronomical midpoint between the autumn equinox and the winter solstice. So it's an observation of times and seasons. And people come out and say, well, let's celebrate the harvest. God don't want us celebrating the harvest. Amen? The scriptures say go out and celebrate the harvest. Amen, somebody. Any type of observation of times or the sun, the movements of the moon, this, that, that, that's, that's, God doesn't want us to be doing that. Amen, somebody. Number two, excessive attachment or veneration for anything or on that which borders adoration. International Standard Bible Dictionary. No, I'm, I'm going to skip that one for the sake of time. Smith's Bible Dictionary. Smith's Bible Dictionary, the one that you have on your shelf says like this, under heading four of idolatry, attractions of, attractions of idolatry. This is what the heading says verbatim in your book. Many have wondered why the Israelites were so easily led away from the true God unto the worship of idols. In other words, we always read in Chronicles, and Israel did sin again, yet again in the sight of the Lord. And Israel sinned again, and in the next chapter, and Israel sinned yet again in the sight of the Lord. And then the next chapter, Israel sinned again. Everybody know what I'm talking about? It's in your Bible. Why was that? Here's, here's what they, this is what they say. Why? Because they're attracted by visible outward signs with shows, pageants, parades, have an attraction to the natural heart. All of the things that we see out there, the, 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 the lights and we see the pumpkins and, the, and the, the, the costumes and candy and the pageantry and going to the pumpkin drive and the trunk or tree. Ain't got no business doing no trunk or treat. We're going to do trunk or treat. Don't do trunk or nothing. Trunk or treat. Have an attraction to the natural heart and get this, which often fail to perceive the unseen spiritual realities. We partake, of, we partake and participate in these things like sheep. Meh. Don't even see what's really going on behind the scenes. Unseen spiritual realities. The scripture says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers of the darkness, against the principalities. Amen. There's spiritual wickedness in high places. And here we are partaking of the cup of Satan. Amen. Come on, somebody. Turn to someone next to you. Tell them you better get this out of your house. You better get it out of your house. Enough on idolatry. Fear. Turn to someone next to you and tell them fear. Fear, fear is important to understand because all of Halloween revolves around fear. The reason, the reason why Halloween exists is because of the fear associated with it. There's something that we need to understand. Everyone needs to understand this. Fear is not a part of human DNA from the beginning. And you're like, what does that mean? In other words, when you, we were created, when mankind was created, God did not create us with the emotion of fear. Turn to somebody next to him. That's deep. Let me explain. The scripture says in 1 John 4, 16, it says God is love. Right? God is love. So we know that God is love. We also understand that we were created in the image of God. And the likeness of God. Everybody got that? Adam was created in the likeness and image of God. So whatever God had, he had anger and God has, you know, happiness and joy and he had intellect and all of these aspects and attributes of God that he had, we were created in God's image. We are like God. Amen. The same minds, the same, the same characteristics are what makes us what we are. That's how God is, right? We were created in the image of God, right? If you're looking in a mirror, that's an image, right? But there's no fear in God. Why? Because the scripture says that perfect love casts out all fear. So if God is love and perfect love casts out all fear, then there's no fear in God. Am I reasoning correctly or no? Okay. So we were created in God's image, so we weren't created with fear. Further, that's why the scripture says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a. So you can think of that in the moment or at any time. God never gave us the spirit of fear and said, I'm making man and I'm creating him. He can be angry. He can be happy. He can be sad and he can be scared. No, God didn't create us with fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. So fear, where did fear come from? Fear was imputed into the human race back in the garden when Satan or the serpent seduced Eve to partake of the fruit of the tree. And then she in turn shared with her husband. Once they ate of the fruit, they understood that they were naked and they hid themselves. Genesis 3 and 10. You can put up uh, image number one. Image number one. Genesis 3 and 10 says like this. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now all of a sudden he's afraid. Why? Because he has knowledge. He didn't have knowledge before of, 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 of evil and good. So Satan is taking the credit for this and saying, you know what? Thanks to me, I'm the one that, you know, caused her to eat of the tree. And now look at mankind has fallen. Now they have the fallen nature. Let's celebrate me for it. So Satan wants to make sure that fear is perpetuated within the human race. He feels that he's a direct result and the reason for why fear is here. And he wants everybody to be afraid. Amen. But God don't want us to be afraid. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, God don't want you to be afraid. Psalm 91.5 says, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. John 14.27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world give it, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God don't want you to be afraid. Turn to someone next to you and tell them, don't be afraid. Psalm 27, 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God don't want you having fear. We incorporate fear. Some of us want to go out, watch scary movies, be afraid. Oh, I like to be afraid. God don't want you to exercise and have fun with fear. Fear is not something to be proud of. God didn't give us the spirit of fear. That's, that's, the devil gave you fear. The devil wants you to have fear. Fear gives, fear gives Satan license to bring things upon your life. Job 3 and 25 says like this, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. In other words, whatever I was afraid of, that's what happened to me. Whenever you decide to allow fear into your life, into your home, these things that you become afraid of are the things that happen to you. That's what Job said. What was Job afraid of? Job 1, verses 4 through 5. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Verse 5, and it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. He was so afraid that his sons were going to mess up. He was so fearful that his sons were going to sin. That's all he was afraid. Thus did Job continually. And then what happened? Verse 18. While he was yet speaking, there came another also and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men and they were all dead. Only I am escaped alone to tell you. The minute that he began to obsess over fear in his home and fear of what was going to happen, everything happened. The minute that we begin to toy with fear. Number one, first and foremost, watching horror movies. We sit these horror movies in front of our eyes in our houses, and then all of a sudden these things begin to happen to us. You guys ever heard of? I'm not going to ask you if you've seen it because I don't want you to raise your hand. <laughs> you ever heard of a movie called Poltergeist? Poltergeist, I'll break it down for you. I watched this so you don't have to, but I didn't watch it recently. But I watched it so I could tell you about it so you don't have to. Poltergeist was a horror movie about a TV and how the television, when they would watch it, whatever was there on the television, the spirits that were there would come through the television and manifest themselves in the home. That was the conduit to enter and exit the home was the television. You think that they made this up? You think they created this? That this is a fabrication of someone's imagination? No, this came from real life. When you allow certain things on your television, in your homes, number one, first and foremost, horror movies, you invite these things to come directly through your television into your home. You think that Poltergeist was fiction? That was not a fiction movie. That was nonfiction. They want you to think it's fiction. This stuff happened. There are some movies that come out every year that perpetuate the spirit of fear. The reason I'm going to show them to you today is not so you can go out and watch them. Turn to someone next and tell them, don't watch them. The reason I'm going to show them to you here today is so that you can spot them, that you're educated, that you can spot them. That way when you see them, you know flee. Turn to someone next and tell them, flee. flee. Don't let your children watch them. Don't look at them on your iPad and your Netflix. Put up the number two. The first one is called demonic. I don't even need to explain that one. That just says right what it is. <laughs> it's in your face now. They ain't trying to hide nothing. Back in the days, this was a poltergeist. You're like, what is a poltergeist? No, this one's just flat out demonic. It, it's demonic. <laughs> it's demonic. This is all new for this year. Put up number, number three. This one's called No One Gets Out Alive. That's on Netflix. I'm telling you, flee, run. I mean, what, what, what would you want to watch that? No one gets out alive. 
What would compel you? I want to see them not get out alive. Like, why? <laughs> Next one, number four. This one is Halloween Kills. Y'all, some of you have been waiting to watch this one. Why do you say, ooh? I can't wait for that one to come out. You better not. It's literally telling you Halloween will kill you. You think I'm showing these to you to glorify it? I'm telling you what to, what to be alert for. The devil is like a roaring lion walking about seeking who he may devour. The people perish for the lack of knowledge. I'm showing you what it looks like so you know what to stay away from. You don't want to perpetuate the spirit of fear in your home. You don't want, then you wonder why your children can't sleep at night. You wonder why they, you got to pray with them. Oh, I got to sit up and pray with them. Here you are up until 1, 2, 3 in the morning because they can't sleep. I'm just afraid. I don't know why. They don't even know why. It's just the spirit of fear that you've allowed to come into your house because somebody was watching this on their iPad in your home. Praise the Lord, somebody. Verse uh, number five. This one is called the accursed. Are you ready to gaze into hell? Coming soon. It's not rated yet, but I can tell you what it's rated. It's rated R. Praise the Lord, somebody. It's telling you flat out what it is. The movie's accursed. Amen? The next one is Lantern's Lane. Some legends are real. I told you, Poltergeist was real. You think that they, you think that this is fiction? Do you think that somebody sits there like this is somebody's work of art and their imagination? I'm telling you right now, 90% of this stuff is real. That's where they come up with the ideas for it. And then they're taking what's happened and they're moving it and ushering it right into your home. Why? Because Satan's act, number one thing, is to kill, steal, and to destroy. He wants to inject this into your home through your television, through your phone, through your iPad, and put the spirit of fear in your home to perpetuate that spirit. He wants that spirit perpetuated in your life. Next one. The next one is malignant. You've probably seen this one on the bus stops. Amen? Uh, it's just malignant. That's all I got to say. Have I watched these? Nope, and nor do I care to. You will never see me watch these. Neither should you. Amen, somebody? The next one. There's someone inside your house. Is that not the most scariest thought? To have the thought, you driving home, you five minutes from the house, there's someone inside your house. The only thing that should be inside your house is the Holy Ghost. Everyone has a secret to die for. Come on. This one's on Netflix, too, so everyone has access to it. You see how they spend the money to put it right into your home? Be watching these things. What's the last one? I don't even have to explain that one. Look at it. Just look at it. You want to know what it says right there? It says unholy. Is that not the most satanic, demonic thing you ever did see in your life? Just the cover art on it alone? People are drawn to this. People want to perpetuate the spirit of fear in their lives. We have no business as Christians, as God-fearing saints of the Lord to be bringing these things into our home when God told us flat out, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Take it down, 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 take it down. Oh, Lord have mercy. Anyway, you guys understand my reasoning for showing that to you. It's just to give you an understanding of what not to um, allow. Amen, somebody? Um, trick or treat. How many people know what trick or treat is? Yeah, nobody wants that. I don't know nothing about trick or treat. All of a sudden, you don't know what trick or treat is. <laughs> the origin of trick or treat started way back, way back, way back, way back, way back. Um, the early um, 1000s, the early 1100s, Druid police 
or a satanic or Baal priest would roam the countryside. Now, these were Celtic priests, which means you're talking about Ireland, parts of, 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 of Western Europe, Northern Europe. These Celtic priests, every uh, year around this night during Halloween, they would get together and they would roam the countryside. This is the origins of Halloween. Turn to someone next to you and tell them this is the origins. What these Celtic priests would do was they would go out and it had to be at this time of the year. We're talking the 31st, the 1st of, 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 of November, because at this time was the meeting. This is when um, the days are at its shortest, which means that nights are longer. Everybody got the darkness is raining now at this time of the year. That means that there's more nighttime than there is daytime. They also believe that during this time of year, the veil between the living and the dead was at its thinnest. Everybody understand me? What they believed at that time was that there was a passage between the land of the living and the land of the dead. So this was the time to act. Because now that the veil is the thinnest, now they can send between the realm of the living and the realm of the dead. Everybody follow me. So what these, what these Celtic priests and Druid priests would do is they would go out and they would costume themselves up to look like demons. To look like some kind of ghouls or something ghoulish. And anybody else that didn't want to attract the attention of these priests would also dress up. So that's to not attract attention. You want to not get arrested by the cops? Well, go ahead and dress yourself up like a cop. They probably won't even look at you. Amen? Blend in. You blend in. And that's where the origin of the dressing up in costumes came from, because that's what these Celtic priests would do, was they would dress up and costume themselves in order to go out and roam the countryside. Um, the dressing up or the putting on of costumes is a direct mockery of, of, of the time when God created the animal skins to dress Adam and Eve in the garden. When Adam and Eve went to cover their own sin with leaves, Adam slayed an animal and then used the sins to the, the skins of the animals to cover them and to dress them. This is a mockery that Satan wants to set up a mockery and say, hey, you know what? We're going to costume everybody. We're going to put what we want to put on them. You put what you put, put on out. I'm going to put what I want to put on the people now. Everybody got me? So as they would go out, these Celtic priests, they would go out throughout the countryside and they would take jack-o'-lanterns. Now, back in the day, put up, um, put up number 10. So they would put up jack-o'-lanterns. But the jack-o'-lanterns that they have, everybody's seen this before, right? I'm going to explain to you what the jack-o'-lantern is so you can know where it comes from, okay? Put up, put up number 11. Back in the days, jack-o'-lanterns weren't made of pumpkins. They were made of turnips. And that bottom, that bottom left one, that's more of what a turnip would look like. These are what these priests would walk around with. And they would go throughout the countryside, and they would go and they would intimidate people at their houses. They would boom, 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 boom. They would say, give us your youngest child. Give us a child. Ah, if you don't give us a child right now, hey, you better give us a child now. Fear and intimidation. They were demanding your children to be surrendered to them at the door. Why? Because they were going to take your children and go and sacrifice them. This time of year is the most common time for human sacrifice. This is the most missing persons cases time. Is during this time. All of a sudden, people come up missing during October and November. People are missing. Why? Because people are getting hauled away for human sacrifice. This is where it started. Celtic priests coming and pounding on people's doors, demanding your children. Give us your children. If you surrender to the fear and the intimidation, they would leave the jack-o'-lantern in front of your door. That's where the, the jack-o'-lantern came from. The reason you leave a jack-o'-lantern in front of your house is so that when they get ready to open the portal and let the evil spirits through, they'll see the jack-o'-lantern and pass over your house, which is a type and a figure of the, of the Passover. This is Satan's rendition of the Passover. He's making a mockery of the Passover. 
when the children of Israel had to paint the doorposts with the blood of the lamb and the death angel would come and it would pass over them. The priests would go and they would leave the turnip there, the jack-o'-lantern, to let them know that this, per this house is good because they surrendered a child to us. The, the, the spirits don't have to haunt them. But if you didn't, and you didn't give them a child, they would leave, but they would put this on your house. Next, next one. They will put a hexagram on your house. That's where the saying comes, they're going to put a hex on you. You ever heard somebody say that? They're going to put a hex on you. I'm going to put a hex on you. Oh, they put a hex on me. That's where the hexagram, because they put a hex on your house. They would put the hexagram on your house. That way, when they get ready to go do whatever it is they do, when they leave, that the evil spirits know to come and to attack your house because your house is hexed. This is trick-or-treat. This is the origin of trick-or-treat, where trick-or-treat came from. Everybody follow me? If you, if you fail to comply, if you fail to comply, they will put a hex on your house. Right? Your house will be destroyed. Today, witches and satanic priests cast spells upon candy and even inject pieces with semen or menstrual fluid in hopes that one day the consumer will return to them for sacrifice. Amen, somebody. Were you sure you want to go get this candy? You don't know what people are doing to this candy. There's people out there that seek what's called the gnosis. They want a higher knowledge. They want their third eye open. They want a, a higher knowledge. And in order to reach this level of gnosis, they have to kill children. If you don't believe me, look at Aleister Crowley's book, 777. The guy is a satanic maestro and that's what he talks about about taking the innocence of a young person they say that's what people want to do they want to take your children get them out there give them candy that's tainted and one day in hopes to bring them back to them for sacrifice amen somebody they would take these children and they would take them back to a place that was round with stones called stonehenges anybody ever seen a stonehenge right and they would take them to a place that had huge fires like this. Next slide. Anybody know what that is? That's a bonfire. Some of you guys want to have bonfires. Oh, go to the beach and have a bonfire. The reason for the bonfire, originally called a bale fire. Everybody know what bale is? It was originally called a bale fire. And then it turned into a bone fire. Why? Because bone burns at 900 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's the, that's the temperature that needed to burn bone, 900 degrees. And then from bone fires, it went to bonfire. That's why it's called a bonfire, because it started as bone fire. That's a fire hot enough to burn your bone. Cremation is. Amen? The reason that they made the fire is because they believed that this was a portal that they were creating between Hades and Earth. Here's the, re here's the, the, the revelation. You ready? The prayer says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in the kingdom of God, God wants it on earth as it is in heaven. Right? In Satan's kingdom, he wants it on earth as it is in hell. And we're building bonfires. Doing what Satan wants us to do and not even know it. On hell as it on earth as it is in hell. They believed at this point during the night that the veil was at its thinnest and that there was a passing between of the living and the dead. During this time when the veil was the thinnest, they would do this. Next one. Y'all know what that is? Huh? Nobody want to talk now. That's a Ouija board. If you have one of these in your house, get rid of it. That's not a board game. That, that doesn't belong in the stack with your Monopoly and your sorry. 
I'm telling you the gospel truth right now. That is not a board game. Although a board game manufacturer makes it, that's not a board game. That, that is a conduit for people to tap into the spiritual realm and speak to demons. That's why people are using this thing on Halloween night. Why? Because the veil between the living and the unliving is the thinnest. And that's the time to use it. It's called a Ouija board or a spirit board or a talking board. Everybody puts their hand on it and it moves to the letters. And you're like, oh, you're moving it. No, you're moving it. Turn to someone next to you and tell them, get rid of that. The children that they brought back with them, they would give them an option. Next slide. They would tell these children, they would say, if you can grab an apple out of here with your teeth, we'll let you go back home to your family. The only problem was this is that it was boiling hot liquid. Children would come home maimed, third, first degree burns, ears falling off, no more ear, faces come back blind, bobbing for an apple in a vat, a bowl, a tub of boiling liquid that had the remains of human sacrifices from before. Grab the apple, we'll let you go. So what do you do? You take your chance. That's where bobbing for apples came from. You think that this is just something that people made up? No, this came from the Celtics, the Druids. This is a mockery that Satan has made of Adam and Eve partaking of the fruit in the garden. That's where that comes from. You guys see all the correlations? Oh, wow, that sounds far-fetched. I'm telling you, everything is just strangely connected, right? The Passover, right? The bobbing for apples. All this stuff is not coincidence. The clothing, the, the costumes, Right? This stuff is all interconnected. And here we are, we're rushing out as the children of God and we're quick to go and celebrate Halloween and participate in it. And you have no idea of the unseen spiritual realities, what you're inviting into your home. Amen, somebody? But they would burn these children. And that's why you have scripture in the Bible that talks about sending your children to the fire. Deuteronomy 18 and 10. I'm done. This is my last couple of scriptures. I'm out. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or daughter pass through the fire. Everybody see that? You think that that scripture is a coincidence? It's telling you exactly what used to happen back in the days. This was a common occurrence. That uses divination or observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or wizard or necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Leviticus 18 and 21 says like this. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech. Neither shalt thou profane the name of, the, of thy God. I am the Lord. Deuteronomy 12 and 31, thou shalt, do, thou shalt not do unto the Lord thy God, for every abomination unto the Lord, which he hateth, have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters, they have burnt in the fire to their gods. You think this scripture is just coincidence? They're telling you this was a common thing. People coming to collect your children and sacrifice them in the fire. That's why it's in scripture. It's where this scripture comes from. Participating in Halloween you're, you're, you're participating, you're going right back to the origins of where this thing comes from. We think it's all good. We think it's harmless. We think that it's, it's um, innocent fun to go out and collect candy and dress up the little kids looking like, you know, Paw Patrol. Oh, look, he looks like Paw Patrol. You partaking of the table of devils with that. Amen. Jeremiah 19 and 5. Look at this. They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I command not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. Let's all stand. 
there, there's more to this. I can, I can get into, let me tell you something. You know how during Halloween, you see certain, certain ladies, females, women, they like to wear a lot more less clothing during those nights. And it's kind of a license to wear nothing. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about? You know the kind of costumes that they be putting on. Okay. That's the spirit of Jezebel. That's the Jezebel spirit. It's the spirit of Jezebel, and it's also prevalent around this time. When you see that, that's the spirit of Jezebel. Let me explain something to you. A lot of people will still leave from this Bible study and say, oh, it doesn't matter because I'm not worshiping the devil. I'm not worshiping the devil. I know what I'm doing. It's all good. It doesn't matter about the origins. It doesn't matter where it comes from because that's not my heart and the Lord knows my heart. Let me tell you something. It occurred to me today. I asked the Lord to show me, give me the answer for that. Let's say you go out to a really nice restaurant. And let's say you have a good time. You have so much fun. And they fed you well and you enjoyed everything. Steak, ribeye, ribeye with the coffee rub seasoning, smoked with mesquite. Play it, brother, play it. Play. Paralyzing, the meat gets you right here in the back. Like ah. The best meal you ever had, lobster tail on the side. The best. And you went out and you had a good time and you enjoyed it and you ate very well. Everybody know what I'm talking about? And then all of a sudden, the waiter comes out and he says, did you enjoy everything this evening? He says, yes, I did. I enjoyed everything. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. It was great. And he says, hey, just to let you know, everything we served to you tonight came from the trash can. Did you hear me? The waiter comes out and says, I just want you to know that everything that we served to you tonight came from the trash can. We literally pulled it out of the garbage can and we served it to you. Did you enjoy it? Well, are you upset? Well, why are you upset? You enjoyed yourself, didn't you? You had a good time, right? You liked the food, right? Are you upset still? Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because you know where it came from. Where did it come from? came from the trash can. So now all of a sudden, it's important where the origin of something is from. I don't care about the origins of Halloween, brother. That's not what I'm doing it for. Okay, you don't care about the origins, but if I told you the food that you ate was from the trash can, now you care where it comes from. Turn to, turn to somebody and tell them, yeah, it, it matters where it came from. The origins matter. Let me tell you something. Educate your children. If you don't educate them, they're just going to hate you because they look at you as the one that's just robbing them from evil. Give them understanding. Give them knowledge. My people perish for the lack of knowledge. Teach. Baptize. Teach. Amen, somebody. God bless you. That's the lesson for tonight. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's give God a round of applause. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless Brother, God bless Brother Cervantes. Amen for that Bible study. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. We want to thank the Lord for knowledge. Amen. The more you know, the better off you'll be. The Bible says, um, without a vision, my people perish. It also says, because of knowledge, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. So as long as you know, amen, God's going to do something great. And the Bible also says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So the knowledge of knowing something will set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If you don't know what the truth is, then you're not set free. So I want you to understand that it is so powerful. 
Amen, the Bible study, and for you to understand what it's all about. Some of you are using the iPhone, amen, for your movies. You don't need a TV. You just slap it up at night. And then some of you have those games, the PS, uh, what is it, PS30 or what is it? PS1, PS2. What is it? Yeah. Oh, PS5. Oh, we, we bumped it up. We bumped it up from one to now to five. All right. Bumped it up. Okay, so in those, amen, some of you uh, play those games and you got all that music. Now, that's another Bible study altogether. Music is another Bible study we're going to have to hit. Amen. But I'm just letting you know you have that music, demon-possessed music that starts. You start to hear it. And the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And the more that you hear this demonic stuff, the more faith you get in fear. Amen. Amen. I just want you to know that uh, in growing up, my children, uh, in Halloween, uh, that day, they wouldn't go to school. They would take a day off and we'd just go party till the hubcaps fell off. I'm just letting you know. That way, they don't see everybody else participating. They don't feel bad. Amen. They just took a day off from school, and they don't see everybody else, and then they show up the next day, and Halloween's already over. It's already done. Just move on. It's just a day. Amen? Amen. You can grab that advice if you want. It's up to you. Amen. But you're more than welcome, amen, to just kind of leave them from school. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Amen. We're going to thank the Lord for that Bible study. How many, how many did the Lord speak to here today? God bless Brother Jonathan. Come on up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Jonathan with us. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord, church. It is a privilege to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. So at this moment, we are going to be opening up the altar for tithes and offering as I ask the ushers to come forward. Um, an offering is just a tithe is ten percent of what the Lord has blessed you in your finances. An offering is an amount the Lord has placed in your heart to give. The offering baskets are to my left and to my right, and we have other ways of giving as well. You can text to eight one eight nine one eight twenty sixty six, or you can visit us on newlifeawc.com forward slash giving. And if you don't have a way to give in cash, we do have the credit and debit cards. Uh, if you'd like to be a blessing to the Life 9 Nehemiah Project, uh, Sister Maria Casimiro will help you. The altar is open.